today's big question. Did slaves make my Nikes? You know the phrase, never again. We've all said it. Do you know what it means? Never again is a phrase meant to raise awareness about past genocides, specifically the Holocaust, which is what the phrase is most commonly connected to. But it is also a promise that atrocities on that scale will never again happen. Many of us say this phrase. Many of us use the hashtag. So you have to imagine my shock when I found out that instead of never again, the Chinese Communist Party is saying, "Eh, let's try it again. Yeah, we're talking about the Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang province. What is happening to these people? Is it comparable to the motives of the Third Reich? What the heck is happening in China? Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Michaela, your host, and I'm here to give you the compassionate and conservative argument to America's most debated questions. I am in the Shamrock studio, powered by Shamrock Media Solutions, with our producer, Cha-Cha. Hey. Hey, Cha. So, what is on the docket? What is on the docket? You know what I think is fun, Cha, that most people don't know this, but Cha doesn't read any of the scripts in advance. Yeah. So Cha is reacting real time to all of this. Somebody asked yeah. me that. They said, does yeah. Cha know what's going like, what's no. going to come? She doesn't know. No. She has no idea what's in the script ever. Yeah. And and for some people, they might be like, um, okay, what a lazy bum. Like, no, so no, no, no. It's the real person yeah. reacting is right. the idea. Right. It's, it's like the, it's like, it's like you listener you're in your car you're in your office you're listening (laughs) and i'm your voice cha is you that's what we're trying to say when you think of yourself think (laughs) cha-cha and also if you listen to another awesome podcast true crime garage i'm like the captain so shout out to true crime garage cha loves just a fun fact about cha cha likes to lull herself to sleep with the sweet sounds of crime crime It's like such a weird girl thing. Yeah, I, I can't relate, but a lot of girls love it. So the show, the question today is, did slaves make my Nikes? Fun fact, I don't wear Nikes. I just don't. So, okay. And that, that's so the, choice. So the question doesn't apply. To, well, no, I just never wore Nikes. I've never okay. been a Nike person. Uh-huh. I have this, uh, I'm a, I have new balances right now, which probably are made in China as well, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah, <probably. laughs> so I'm not saying I'm not complicit in this. I'm just saying I don't wear Nikes. Heard. You wear Nikes sometimes, right? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I don't think Actually, I have I, a pair of Nikes right now. I have Adidas and New Balance, but you're more of a mean, Louis Vuitton kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more of a... anyway. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. All right, so so I want to start off with something uh, called the Holocaust Law. So Ian Hayworth of the Daily Wire he wrote an article called the Holocaust Law, which is a phrase and it's a social law that Ian made up. Totally. Oh, interesting. And he defines it as this quote. Unless the person or event being criticized is demonstrably guilty of enforcing the same physical, not rhetorical, metaphorical, or hypothetical actions as Nazi Germany, resulting in the forced attention of murder of millions of civilians due to personal characteristics, they are not to be compared to the Holocaust. Okay. So this is in response to the everything is the Holocaust trend. And the idea that to win an argument, 
you just compare the other side to the Nazis and then you win every time. Nobody wants to be a Nazi. Nobody right. should. But it's right. it's a way to shut down arguments a lot of the time. People on the right do it. People on the left do it. People in the center do it. They do it for social, political gain, sometimes out of ignorance, or because what they're trying to express is a concern that actions like X, whatever the action is, could lead to a type of Holocaust. Yeah. We saw this with Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when she compared the areas that illegal immigrants are detained at the border to concentration camps, even using the phrase never again. Then we also saw it with Congresswoman, did I say Congressman on accident when I said Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I meant Congresswoman if I did. We also saw it with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was comparing vaccine identification IDs to the yellow stars that Jews wore during the Holocaust to identify them. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of, a lot of this, but under Ian Hayworth's Holocaust law, which he totally just made up, but I like it, then the stories that are coming out of the Xinjiang province are actually like the Holocaust. Right. So what is happening in the Xinjiang province? Let me tell you about it. I have a few different sources. The first one I want to read from is the Council on Foreign Relations. So I'm going to read a quote from them about what's going on in the Xinjiang province. So, quote, Since 2017, up to 2 million Muslims, most of them Uyghurs, have been arbitrarily detained in so-called re-education camps, according to experts and foreign government officials. Detainees have reported being tortured, sexually abused, barred from practicing their religion, and forced to pledge loyalty to the CCP. Many children of those who are detained are placed in boarding schools where they study Mandarin and CCP ideology, according to a 2019 U.S. government report. Outside of the detention centers, Uyghurs are subjected to intense surveillance, widespread religious restrictions, and forced sterilizations. Oh my god. Let me stop there. For those of you who don't know what the CCP is, it's the Chinese Communist Party. It's the government of China. I'm going to say CCP throughout this entire episode, and that's what that means. The Chinese Chinese Communist Communist Party. Party. And Uyghur? Uyghur Muslims is is a subset of... Muslims who practice the Islamic faith, and there are other Muslims in the area. There's the Kazakh, Kazakhs, Kazakhs. I'm not. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly. And there's a few other subsets. The Uyghur Muslim group has been specifically targeted because they are the most traditionalist, okay. potentially in the Islamic faith. Although there are other Muslims that are starting to feel the heat, if you will, in China mm. as well. So that's according to the Council on Foreign Relations. So then according to Amnesty International, quote, Uyghurs, Kazakhs, I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, probably Kazakhs, and other predominantly Muslim ethnic ethnic minorities in China's Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, I'm still reading from Amnesty International, face systemic state-organized mass imprisonment, imprisonment, torture, and persecution amounting to crimes against humanity. Chinese authorities have built one of the world's most sophisticated surveillance systems and a vast network of hundreds of grim transformation through education centers, which are actually internment camps, through Xinjiang. Torture and other ill treatment is systemic in the camps, and every aspect of daily life is regimented in an effort to forcibly instill a secular, homogenous Chinese nation and Communist Party ideals. This is what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims and now expanding out to other minority groups in the Xinjiang province in China, thanks to the CCP. So we know that communism, which China is a communist nation, 
needs homogeny. Homogeny is when everyone is the same and everything is the same. Anyone under communism who doesn't toe the line, especially in their faith, especially in their faith, is a big threat to communism, which is why as communism takes hold in a nation, you start to see a squashing of dissent and then you see an oppression of dissidents, which are the people who dissent. Eventually, anyone that they can't force to conform under the communist regime in those ways through the squashing of dissent and whatnot and crushing of the human spirit, they turn to forcibly, quote, re-educating, which is what we're seeing in China. The next step after re-education, history tells us, is to start killing people. So if the word re-education doesn't make you really scared, it should The idea under communism is that there's only one acceptable way to live and think. Anything outside of that is considered false, dangerous, wrong, and in need of re-education. That's wild. And communism is always the same. And it always fails, to be clear. There is (laughs) no examples of a successful communism. Because communism as a rule, does not care about human liberty, and it also doesn't care about the diversity in human nature. One bit. It cares about none of that. And communism is exclusively about power and control, but communist regimes will never admit that. Do you know why they'll never admit that? Why? Because another... (laughs) Cha, great question. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Because another reoccurring communist theme is lying. Right. The Soviet Union did it. The CCP does it. (laughs) No way. (laughs) So lying is a big part of this. The Soviet Union was like, oh, no, we're not. For example, on the Holodomor in Ukraine. Anyone who knows me knows I know a bit more about Ukraine than the average Joe. I've spent a lot of time studying that region. So in Ukraine, they had the Holodomor, which was this forced famine it was Mm -hmm. a government forced famine and so many people died in ukraine because of it in the soviet union lied okay think about a more popular one chernobyl they're like oh what nuclear explosion they're fine no that didn't happen cut the phone lines though (laughs) that's fine but you can't come in but everyone's great but (laughs) yeah i love that cut the phone lines though thanks okay gotta go oop getting a call (laughs) on my way out so for a communist nation to enact camps where they torture and sterilize dissidents is not surprising at all. A labor camp for people who are a threat to communism is straight out of the communist playbook. China doing this should surprise no one. This is communism living his best life, to quote the kids. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But regardless, it's no less atrocious and it's no less deplorable. Yep. It's funny how the word deplorable has a new ring now. But it's a good word. MAGA flash. Right. It's interesting. I, I said the word deplorable and I thought... This is connected to a campaign. <laughs> I have some memory. It's coming back to me. Okay. So, but in the true sense of the word deplorable, it's no less deplorable. Yeah. And it's no less atrocious. So again, according to the Council on Foreign Relations, who I did a lot of research with before this episode, the Chinese government has detained more than a million Muslims. No. Million, a million? Muslims. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, I haven't gone and personally counted, but... <laughs> According to them, more than a million Muslims, mostly Uyghurs, and mostly arbitrarily. The U.S. and the U.S., it's been described as a genocide. Seriously. And China, of course, is not giving us much information, but the camps may have started as early as 2014. 
and then really ramped up in 2017. Of course, China says they are, they're not violating anyone's rights. All is well here. And they call the camps vocational training centers. But you're saying people are dead. What I'm saying is that we're getting reports of... We don't know. We don't know for sure if people are dead. Here's the thing about communism. A lot of the stories don't come out until later. But what we know is this idea of surveillance, forced sterilization, forced labor, forced compliance. And many people come out and kill themselves is what we've heard from detainee stories. What we have is we have footage, um, satellite footage of the camps. We know they exist. And we have detainee stories. And we have a few brave journalists in the area who are telling us these stories. One of them, actually, I forget his name, was taken down on YouTube, classic YouTube, uh, and then ended up being reinstated later because he was interviewing detainees. I watched some of him. He was was awesome. Awesome guy. Um, It was... It was amazing. Anyway, so some of his stuff got taken down when he was interviewing detainees from the Uyghur Muslim minority population. The hard thing is China controls the narrative. Does that sound familiar to anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, oh, one note. One note I really need to say is that I said China is calling them, oh, I already said this, vocational training centers. And, and they will not let anyone in to see them. It's just like you said, everything's fine. Cut the phone lines. <laughs> I've said it before in this show. I'll say it again. Do not trust a communist. Okay, Never. Honestly. Do not trust a communist. Do not trust a communist government. Communism lies. Communists lie well, on like behalf you just of communism. Said, right. They, they set a foundation of coercion based on power. Power. Yeah. And, and that ultimately leads to saying things that are good for the cause not true it's not about right or wrong communism is about power so however you achieve the ends of collecting power is fair game under communism the ends justify the means absolutely i mean we can't comprehend something like this but the soviet union was exactly like this they didn't care if their people died that was irrelevant to them human rights eh. and that's how china's behaving now human rights are irrelevant but anything that threatens the state right that is going to be crushed. Yeah, paramount. So China's done their best to not tell us what's going on, but we do have testimonies. And another thing we have is a leaked internal Chinese government document from 2019. And that gives us, that gives us a blurry picture at least of what's going on. So we know in the camps that people have to pledge loyalty to the CCP, renounce their Islamic faith, learn Mandarin, and basically talk about how awesome communism is all the time. (laughs) Um, and Classic. again, according to the Council on Foreign Relations, quote, some reported prison-like conditions with cameras and microphones monitoring their every move and utterance. Very 1984. Others said, it doesn't say that. That was a Michaela ad right there. <laughs> Others said they were tortured and subjected to sleep deprivation during interrogations. Women have shared stories of sexual abuse, including rape. Some released detainees contemplated suicide or witnessed others kill themselves. So China used to deny it. But now they say that they have to put these people into these camps because these people are extremists <laughs> and they're a threat, which Unreal. is interesting. It reminds me of the um, whole idea of teaching critical race theory in schools. It starts with, we're not teaching critical race theory in schools. And now the story is like, we're teaching it, but it's important. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. We, and everyone should be to. teaching it. I can't believe that you don't want it to be taught. Right. Just the evolution of things right. from the denial to the absolute. They said, we're not doing it. Okay. We're doing it, but we have to do mm-hmm. it. And it should be sanctioned. And and it, now it should be sanctioned. Now we have to, it is, must right. be done. It is the moral thing to do. So according to the New Lines Institute, 
the New Lines Institute. I should have done my vocal warm-ups before this episode. Dang. According to the New Lines Institute for st- Strategy... Uh-uh. <laughs> should, should we just stop? Should we quit? It? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're keeping it in, folks. Keeping yeah. it real. So according to the New Lines Institute for Strategy and Policy... I'm not going to read a quote, but I'm going to tell you that this is where I got that information is from them. So if you want to look it up, you can. So in the 1990s, the Muslim people in the region of Xinjiang were experiencing a kind of religious revival. And this was beyond just that region as well. But they were people in China were starting to be interested in religion again. And China did not like that. China created what were called illegal religious activities, which were to prevent faith from gaining any kind of real ground Illegal religious activities were any activity that were a threat to the government or to the social order. So China is officially an atheist country, but they do recognize five religions, which I didn't know. Do you want to guess guess some of them? Yeah. Okay. Five religions. Five religions. Go. Okay. Um, Christianity. Uh, I mean, yeah. More specifically, Catholicism. Yes. Catholic. Sorry. Catholicism. 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 Um. Okay um hinduism no okay buddhism yes okay taoism yes um oh gosh the one we're talking about oh really i i wouldn't think so yeah given, oh islam islam and this is a type of christianity what uh, uh mormonism no that would be hilarious no <laughs> um, oh i don't know protestantism so yeah okay. so the five the five that they ex- accept just because i might have been confusing the five recognized religions are buddhism catholicism taoism islam and protestantism okay. but all religious groups have to register and be approved through the government unreal the chinese constitution kind of allows the freedom of religion unless which is a crucial unless unless it serves to quote this is quoting from the chinese constitution it serves to disrupt public order, impair the health of citizens, or interfere with the educational system of the state. It's according to the Constitution. <laughs> that last one, they just squeak in there, or it uh, goes against anything we were trying to do. Well, that's to what it says. It's like, your religion is free unless it interferes with anything we want to do. Then it's not free anymore. <laughs> then it's cut. So in 2020, it got even more serious. There was a new law that went into effect in China that said all religious institutions must accept and spread the CCP ideology. Okay. So now the religions were just, well, CCP is a communist ideology. So basically what they were saying is, yeah, you can have your church. It just has to teach about communism and how awesome it is and how fabulous everything that China does is and how Taiwan is not a nation and Hong Kong is ours. <laughs> I doesn't, I'm, this right, is me making that right. up. I didn't read the official ideals, but I mean, we do know that's true about China. No, they uh, actually think that. And that was that. a quote. So you can quote. <laughs> the exact quote is that Hong Kong is ours. Taiwan is ours. <laughs> It is all ours. Right. Says China. And John Cena. Did you see that? This is a total. So John Cena is, you know, the Fast and Furious movies. I've not seen one of them, but there's 8 million of them and they make more money. They make a lot of money in China. They're very popular in China. And a lot of movies in Hollywood make a lot of money in China, which is going to be a problem. We'll find that to be a problem. So John Cena is one of the leads of Fast and Furious 9. And John Cena, I guess, made the mistake of when Fast and Furious 9 was coming out in Taiwan saying, basically, I'm excited to come to your country. So he acknowledged that the country exists. He put out the most uh, 
pathetic. Did he apologize? Yes, he apologized. No. The studio, you know, made him apologize. No. And he was like, I love China. I love the Chinese people. China. It, it, it wasn't, that's not exactly what it was. It was in Mandarin. He was like, I highly respect your country. I meant no offense. I love China. Please what? go see my movie or I will not get these billions and billions of dollars. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wasn't planning on telling that story, but it's just interesting. Wow. Just an interesting that's so tidbit. So Hollywood in bed with China, but we knew this. Back to the notes. So okay, so what the point of what I was saying before is that freedom of religion is a joke in China. It doesn't really exist. And then they went from limiting religious activities. They started to mimic when the U.S. adopted the war on terror language. They started to mimic their language to focus on quote you know countering religious extremism. So that language has been adopted by the Chinese government to explain how they are handling the Uyghur Muslims, for example. Hmm. They have been deemed religious extremists and potential separatists. Well, and potential separatists. Well, well, not just that. So according to the Heritage Foundation's Olivia Enos, and she's the senior policy analyst for the Asian Studies Center. This is not a totally unwarranted claim. But likely it mostly is. So according to Olivia Enos from the Heritage Foundation, quote, the first major attack in Xinjiang took place in 1997 when three bombs allegedly set off by Uyghurs killed three people and injured 60. Uyghurs allegedly carried out a knife and explosive attack in a railway station in Xinjiang in April 2014 that killed three people and wounded 74. And in May 2014, Uyghurs also allegedly killed 31 people and injured 94 in a car bombing that took place in Urimqui. There are a number of other isolated incidents, including when a car plowed into a crowd in Tiananmen Square in October 2013 and another knife attack in Kunming, both of which the Chinese government blamed on the Uyghurs. Okay. So, can we trust the Chinese government for information? No. No. And they are the ones providing this information to us. Right. But it's worth exploring, worth considering. Also, since China launched a campaign called Strike Hard Against Violent Terrorism, in May 2014, the Uyghur population has been subject to ongoing violations of their personal freedoms because personal freedom doesn't exist in communism. I'll read a bit more from what Olivia Enos from the Heritage Foundation wrote. She said, starting in 2015, the Chinese government ramped up, ramped up efforts to seize passports of Uyghurs to impede freedom of movement. This was a reinvigoration of tactics used in 2006 as an alleged means of cracking down on terrorism and extremism in the country. In late 2017, reports emerged that Uyghurs were being forced to submit to DNA testing, including fingerprinting, biometric identification, and other invasive forms of collecting private information. And in early 2018, reports emerged that Uyghurs in Xinjiang were being subjected to quartering or living with the Chinese government officials in their homes. Over the past several years, Uyghurs' homes have been Uyghur and Uyghurs have endured their homes being destroyed. So it's pretty clear that the CCP is violating these people's human rights. Yeah, seems fairly clear to me. Yeah, with the forced labor and sterilization and the cameras and the this is how communism communism by nature violates human rights, personal rights. Right. This is the nature of communism because it doesn't care about you or your rights. And to see communism behaving this way, as I said, is no surprise. And it is still deplorable. Yeah. So what 
is the U.S. doing to respond to this? Yeah. Well, we just keep sending more and more of our business to China. Well, and to to the last administration's credit, we, we were trying to get out of China. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, that reminds me of a video. Oh, gosh. I, uh, <laughs> of former President Trump. And a reporter's like, how come you keep calling this like the Chinese virus? And he leans and he goes, because it came from China. China. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That's wild. <laughs> it's like a dream. Like looking back at it is like a dream song word, but it's almost like looking back at this memory. I'm like, did that really happen? The president because <laughs> it comes from China. China. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to pee my pants. I hadn't seen that video. Okay, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back talking about how the U.S. is handling what's going on in China. In China. <laughs> Okay, welcome back. So I think that was my very first presidential impersonation I've ever done on the show. Uh, I may never do it again. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. I try to avoid the impersonations because every conservative commentator has a President Biden impression, President Trump impression, a everyone has a Governor Cuomo, former Governor Cuomo, excuse me. Yeah, he's bye. We can talk about oh, that's separate. Right, that's in New York, New York. Yeah, yeah, New York. Not, not, um, I was singing, not California. Yeah, okay. Newsom, no. Heard. Anyway, everyone has an impression of everyone, yeah. and I can't join that team because none of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> so, how is America responding? Well, it seems that part of the re-education of Uyghurs is making Nikes. Let me explain. So major companies have come under fire for doing business with and in the Xinjiang region of China, where reportedly the Uyghur Muslims are forced into labor as part of their re-education. China says they're being lifted out of poverty. (laughs) Classic. Into what? Subjugation. Right. right. (laughs) So the New York Times reported in November of 2020, quote, Xinjiang produces vast amounts of raw materials like cotton, coal, sugar, tomatoes, and polysilicon, and supplies workers for China's apparel and footwear factories. Human rights groups and news reports have linked many multinational companies to suppliers there, including tying Coca-Cola to sugar from Xinjiang and documenting Uyghurs working in a factory in Qingdao that makes Nike shoes, end quote. So, (laughs) (laughs) many of our It's not a surprise that our major companies do business in China. We know this to be true. What we're finding is that more specifically, they're profiting from perhaps the forced labor of a minority group that is being oppressed purely because of their religious beliefs by the CCP. Yeah. That is what is, we already knew that China was sketchy to say the least, but now this is another level. This year, Congress passed the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. Okay. Let me tell you what it says. Please do. So this year. In, twi- in 2021? 20, oh, it might have been 2020. I don't know. Could you look that up? Yeah, sure. It might have been 2021 even. I don't know. Time is so not yeah. a thing. 
Right. Okay, well, while you're looking it up, I'm yeah. going to read what's in yeah, it, okay? Please. So sec- it says Section 302 of the Tariff Act of 1930 states that it is illegal to import into the United States goods, wares, articles, and merchandise mined, produced, or manufactured wholly or in part by forced labor. Such merchandise is subject to exclusion or seizure and may lead to criminal investigation of the importer. The policies of the government of the People's Republic of China are in contravention of international human rights instruments signed by that government, including the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which the People's Republic of China has signed, but not yet ratified. The International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights, ratified by the People's Republic of China in 2001, and the United Nations Protocol to Prevent, Suppress, and Punish Trafficking in Persons, especially Women and Children, to which the People's Republic of China has been a state party since February 2010. Did you find out when it was passed? Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. So, Senator Jeff Murkey, who was a supporter and I believe a drafter of this, said, Uyghurs and other predominantly Muslim ethnic ethnic minorities in Xinjiang are being forced into labor, tortured, imprisoned, forcibly sterilized, and pressured to abandon their religious and cultural practices by the Chinese government. No American corporation should profit from these abuses. No American consumers should be inadvertently purchasing products from slave labor. Wow. Did you find the time? I did. What is it? It was July 14th, 2021. So, nice. so really like, recently. Yeah. We just passed this. <clears throat> cool. Correct. So here's the real tea about all of this. We passed that bill. First it went through the House, then it passed the Senate. According to Ben Zizloft, who was reporting for the Daily Wire, whose name I just butchered, <laughs> companies such as Nike, Coca-Cola, and Apple lobbied against that bill in the Senate. Yes, <laughs> they did. So Nike, Coca-Cola, Apple, well, and other says a lot, and other it? companies lobbied against Good. the Uyghur Force Prevention Act, which simply said that we cannot do business with a region or a nation, not even a nation, even just the region. We can't do business with forced labor. We can't profit from it. We can't buy it. We can't use it. We can't sell it. We just don't, we're not going to mess with that. That's basically what that that said, we're just not going to engage with the products made by forced labor. Right, in which you would think any decent company would be like, okay, yeah, no, checks out. Let's remember, though, that these are the same companies that have been going woke in the United States. Nike, Coca-Cola, Apple. Remember, Nike partnered with Colin Kaepernick to fight racism. For anyone who doesn't know who Colin Kaepernick is, he's become infamous for kneeling during the national anthem. He's an NFL football player. Nike partnered with Colin Kaepernick to fight systemic racism while simultaneously sending their lobbyists to strike down, fight against the Uyghur Force Prevention Act because they wanted to protect China, who quite literally has slaves picking cotton for them by hand. There was a Reuters headline that said China accused of forcing 500, 50 set. Five. Oh, <laughs> no. I don't know why numbers and I are like this. It's like pathetic. It's like I have some kind of like dyslexia, but with numbers, but I really don't. It's Should just be. No, what? Oh, do you see the number? I'm, I'm holding the number to Cha. She's like looking at me like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> ah, 570,000. Gosh, that's what I was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay. So basically, China is accused of forcing 570,000 people to pick cotton in Xinjiang. That was a Reuters headline. 
And Nike is simultaneously releasing an ad that is asking all of us to think deeply about how we are personally racist and how to fight racism while profiting off of an ethnic minority in China who is being forced to pick cotton and do multiple other things. And and even, like you said, beyond that, sending lobbyists to keep that in play. To make sure that they can hold on to that. That's really what they did. So then we know Coca-Cola, who pretended, obviously, to be upset about the Georgia voting law, which we've talked about on the show before. Georgia was out outraged because they have a big presence in Atlanta, a plant in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they yep. were like going to pull out of Georgia because Georgia's so racist. While at the same time, they're lobbying against a bill to prevent slave labor in China. Literally at the same time. Coca-Cola. Oh, wait, I just did Coca-Cola. Going back. Well, Apple. So we have Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple. Cha, did, this is going to make you laugh. Cha, have you ever said all lives matter to your iPhone? No. Okay. Should we do it? I mean, I've done it before. I don't know if their people oh, are going to be able it. to hear it. Do you want to say it to Siri? Say, hey, Siri, all lives matter. Okay, I heard. Hey, Siri. All lives matter. All lives matter is often used in response to the phrase, black lives matter, but it does not represent the same concerns. To learn more about the black lives matter human rights movement, visit blacklivesmatter.com. so at the same time that apple is programming siri to say that to you on a phone they are making those same phones profiting off of the subjugation of uyghur muslims in china they are allowing siri to lecture you (laughs) about Oh, I just can't even handle it. It's like they know it's so they're so fakey. They're so fakey. I mean, they're trifling again to quote the kids. They are truly trifling. Yeah, yeah the all lives matter thing really, really yeah, shook me. Yeah, that's so wild. <laughs> but they're spending time programming their phones to virtue signal back to you. They want your robot to virtue signal to you while trying to block a bill in the Senate that would prevent forced labor. Hmm of a Muslim minority in China. Right, and I guess we're trifling because I'm sitting here with an iPhone. No, we're trifling. We're seriously trifling. I mean, many of these companies have experienced backlash because their products may be connected to slave labor. And a lot of companies made moves out of the Xinjiang region. And they're like, we're not even in that region. But very few moved out of China. The region is really not the problem. It's the government that's violating the Uyghurs' human rights, not just the Xinjiang region. So where the company is in China is a little bit irrelevant. And Nike, Nike decides to go full China, no take backsies this year. In an interview with a CNBC reporter, the reporter asked the CEO of Nike, quote, you told an analyst on the conference call last quarter that you are a brand. You said, quote, we are a brand on China and for China, which got a lot of attention given the atten- given the attention from the U.S. and around the world on the human rights issues, the brutal clampdown on Hong Kong, questions about where COVID-19 came from. Do you feel like you have to sacrifice your values at all as a company to do business there and to continue to grow and continue those deep roots that you've talked about Nike has there? Nike CEO responds and says, not at all. We connect the consumers and markets all over the world. And so I would say, go in any country around the world and say consumers in that market consider Nike a brand 
of their market for them. And so that's one of the reasons Nike's been so globally successful. And we operate very aligned with our values, always have been, always will, including through our entire supply chain. So they said, does it violate the values of Nike that uh, China might be using slave labor? And the Nike CEO said, no, it's very aligned with our values. We always operate in line with our values. So they just go, they full send, full send. We are a company of and for China. This is, of course, because the Nike CEO knows where his bread is buttered, and that's in China. For these corporations, it's not about values. It's about money. Yeah, it's the bottom line. That's it. Which is fine. I don't care if my shoe company fights injustice at every turn. I would like for them to not participate in forced labor, but the issue that I think many of us are seeing about this two-facedness from major corporations is that at the same time that they will prevent a bill in the Senate to end forced labor, end our dealings with forced labor, rather, they are going to lecture to us about how to be a good person and about how great they are and how great their company is and how to handle some of the more complex issues in society. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe stop doing that then because you have no legs to stand on. Then... <laughs> I was sitting here writing this, getting so, so ticked at the Nike CEO thinking like, oh, he only cares about money and he doesn't care about these people who are being violated by their government. And then I thought, okay, well, I do business with China. I buy things from China all the time. And then I thought, why do I do that? And then I thought, well, probably for the exact same reason the CEO of Nike does it because it's cheaper and because it's more convenient. And then it hit me that I am the problem, that it's me. Okay, and do explain. <laughs> not me alone, but, yeah. but it's me. I'm getting mad at everyone else. I'm like, oh, these people are so fake. They say they care about people and then they don't put their money where their mouth is. And then I thought, oh my gosh. I look around thought, I don't put my money where my mouth is. I don't know who made my shoes. And I know it's so, it's so freaking hard to avoid things that were made in China. Everything is made in China. And I thought, what can I do when I learn about the subjugation of people in another country? When I learn, yeah. when I know that communism is the farthest thing from aligning with my values, when I understand not just the Uyghurs are subjugated under the Communist Party of China, they have this huge percentage of religious prisoners in China. They, they are denying the opportunity for their they, they passed this bill recently so people can't learn online. And it's like this, the, the Chinese government doesn't care about its people and they don't care about us. And yet I send them my money through Amazon. I send them my money through, I don't, all kinds of things all the time. And when I say it's me, I thought it could start with me. It could stop with me even. So here's what I'm thinking I'm going to do, Cha. Okay. It's really hard to to avoid Chinese products because we're so in bed with China as far as business-wise. So I'm going to start small. And when I find a product that I like, I'm going to find out where it's made. That's the first thing I'm going to do. When I go to buy a new product, I'm going to find out where was this product made. That's start one. If it is made in China, then I'm going to look for it somewhere else. And if I can't find it, fine. I'll go back to the Chinese product for now. But I at least have to try. I have to promise myself that I'm going to look and see if I can find it somewhere else. Also, I'm going to start budgeting for how much things cost when they're not made in China. 
and see what that means for how much or how little I can really afford to buy. Because a lot of the reason we buy the cheap Chinese products is because they're cheap. Right. And they're likely cheap because China doesn't care about using forced labor. Because China doesn't care about the conditions under which people work. And so that means I don't know how much a product really costs when I buy it from China because I'm not taking human beings into account into the cost. So for it to say it's cheaper is because not just the product is miraculously cheaper. It's because China has said its people are cheaper. Its labor is cheaper. Or maybe they cut corners. God knows. I don't know why. But there's a reason we keep shipping everything over to China. Right. And it's not because we morally align with them. That's not it. It's not because it's good for Americans. It's not because it's good for the people who live in China even the Chinese people are being are being oppressed by the communist regime that they live under, specifically the Uyghur Muslims, and I'm still funding it, basically. So I I don't know, I gotta do something about it. And that's where I wanna start. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that um we all have to look like so if, if we're going to look at these problems head on right a lot of people like you said can virtue signal a lot of people can be like oh that's so bad anyway let me get my iphone and just go right. do whatever i want <laughs> um but i think it's important to look at these things head on and then take action somehow right like you just said in I a mean, small way right i mean and we have to i think and and I know that some probably are sitting here thinking like, okay, this seems really insignificant and like you're just kind of making whatever. But um, I this think is how it, things work. Though. Right. This I, is I how change happens. Ev- everyone, if we all took a small step, I think, you know, and like if I'll, I'll just say, say again, I'm not going to buy cutlery from China this year. Right. <laughs> okay. I think in, in, in a lot of small ways, um, or rather, like I said earlier, I think the previous administration... I don't know what their motive was for pulling a lot of um, products and a lot of companies out of China. Could have been bad motives. Don't know, really. But I do appreciate um, that they were pulling out of China in yeah, small It's like ways. doing business with the Soviet Union. It doesn't make any sense. It contradicts the values that America is founded on Yeah. to support monetarily a regime that has no regard for the human beings inside yeah. of it. And you know what? Another thing that <clears throat> th- this is this is actually interestingly branching into whoop, just hit my mic, branching into a conversation that um, the folks at Daily Wire had on their backstage is bear oh, with yeah. me here about okay, does America have a responsibility to be the world police? Because the other thought I just had was, okay, well, also, let's, uh, maybe this doesn't account for the Uyghurs because it is forced, you know, re-education camps and things like that. But mm-hmm. there are some folks who live in China who do make a living making totally. products in mass. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's um, another route we could take is, okay, well, let's not take maybe all of the um, income from these families in China who do work for companies for who are international. I mean, Coca-Cola is international, so it's Apple, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's not that um, I have an issue with the people right. who live in China. So maybe how, how my thought was, okay, well, how can we fight for the people in China who are working? Um, that was my like thought. Okay, I hear well, what how, you're saying. You're saying, what about the people? the people in China? Yeah, like, well, let them keep their job, but let's fight for their right to earn a living wage to have. Um, but under communism, they don't have their own thing. Right. So that. So then, that's when my brain was like, okay. But how is is they it have this the responsibility like, I mean, of America to be the they, world they, police? They do have a bit of. They inject 
enough capitalism into the Chinese system. They have those little capitalist hotspots, basically. Hong Kong, Hong right? Kong. Yeah. yeah, and they they inject capitalism because they know how useful and beneficial it is economically. Well, they... Oh, sorry. Oh, Lord. <laughs> She's screaming. <laughs> <laughs> they use capitalism, but they govern with communism. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's a really complicated question. And if is. I'm being honest, I don't know the answer to it sure. yet. I mean, and, and if you did, you'd probably be president. Because, well, I don't know if that's a qualification for being the president at this point. But I, the reason I wanted to do this episode is because this was a big blind spot for me. When I started to read about what's going on with the Uyghur population, it reminded me a lot of Cha when I was getting ready to go to Ukraine. And I thought, you know, I don't know a dang was, thing about yeah, Ukrainians. I say, and I start to read something. I'm like, what? this happened to Ukrainians? This is crazy. I have these yeah. things that I focus on that I learn a lot about. And Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang province of China was not one of them. And I wanted to do this episode because I wanted to know more about it. I mean, spoiler alert, I don't know everything about every single topic ever. I'm learning right. along with you a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be able to present it and and consider this possibility. Is, is it... Yeah. The thing about the products from China is I don't know what was made with forced labor and what wasn't. It reminds me a little bit of in our pornography episode, how yeah. you said you don't know who was trafficked and who yeah, wasn't. Right. I don't know how these products are getting to me. I, right. I can't trust any of the source of this products. Yeah. Like I don't know that this, the cotton, the sugar, the, the clothes I buy on Amazon, I don't buy cotton and sugar on Amazon, but the cotton goes to make my clothes. I don't know that that wasn't made possible by the subjugation of another person who is just as valuable as me right? and just as valuable to God as me in another country. And I'm not trying to make like a big foreign policy statement per se, <laughs> but even in my personal life, I can't guarantee that I'm not participating in the subjugation of someone else. Yeah. And to me, that's enough of a red flag to think, okay, I at least need to consider other options here yeah. because products are made in other places and we rely on China as our... I was going to say our sugar daddy, but that's not really correct. But they give us, they don't give us anything. We rely on building and selling in China. Hollywood relies on selling their movies to China, which is why they're willing to sacrifice their morals to sell to the Chinese audience. And at a certain point, we are responsible for our own morality. And I can't control perhaps what goes on in China. I might not be able to to land in the Xinjiang province and explode all of the internment camps and rescue every single Uyghur Muslim. Maybe somebody out there listening will be able to do that, but that might not be able to be what I can do, but how can I at least not make it worse? Is there something I can do to at least not make it worse? Right, because this really all relies um, heavily on the fact that there are consumers who need the product. Yeah, we are that. We forget about that, that we are the consumers and that they're doing all this business for. And we're starting to see that happen where people are starting to walk away from these corporations even that we know deal outside of our personal morality. And I don't care if they have a morality as long as they don't just, again, I don't want them to participate in forced labor, but if Coca-Cola just made Coke and that was it, and I was like, okay, bet Coca-Cola. But then you start to get involved in all of these other things that I disagree with. And at a certain point, when do you walk, when do you walk away? When do you take the power of the, the market and what take it with you basically right and i think that we're getting to that point with china and at minimum could we just buy less from china individually I, i'm curious 
the first part of my exercise is just looking and seeing where was this even made? I'm not even, I haven't even been curious enough to say, I wonder who made this and under what conditions, because we're so used to just like clicking on Amazon and it's showing up at our house. And we're like, huh, well, that was great. I got $10 sunglasses, bet, you know, but how did those $10 sunglasses come to be? Was it in a way that I agree with? Uh, if it came from the CCP, (laughs) it probably wasn't, it probably wasn't. You know, I'd be interested to, um, revisit this topic maybe in a couple months after we both have kind of tried um, it. Yeah. I mean, a little introspective about where we're purchasing our things and, um, to be a little yeehaw for a second, I think that maybe this is one reason why I've seen a lot of people in the United States move to a made in the U.S., bought in the U.S. type of um, campaign for themselves. I saw that a lot um, in the last administration, like over the four years, like more than I ever had in my, my lifetime so far is buy U.S., made in U.S. Like that was like kind of a big deal yeah. and a marketing ploy for a lot of products. Let me say something I just thought of too, that uh, again, I'm off my notes, guys. So this is me thinking on the fly. The thing about... I don't want to call maybe for a global boycott of Chinese products because that sounds maybe a little bit too much like the boycott, divest, and sanction in Israel. But the difference is that Israel, I believe, is not doing anything wrong. And China is interning, putting into internment camps, ethnic minorities. So when I think about which government would I prefer to financially support, Israel every single time. And I know at a certain point, it's like, oh, gosh, every, do I have to go look at and understand the government of everywhere I want to buy my shoes from? I don't know. Do we? Is that part of the problem that we do so many things without knowing what they are, or what they mean or why we do them? Is that part of the problem? I'm being serious. Are we not contemplating these issues on a deep enough level? And I don't think all things are like the other. Like, I don't think that the BDS movement would be the same as not buying from China because I think these are two different situations with two very different governments. And yeah. but I I could hear that argument in my head. I heard somebody saying like, oh, well, you just want to, like, you don't want, I think the BDS movement is wrong, but then I'm saying boycott Chinese products. And then I thought, well, I don't think that Israel is taking its Muslim population and putting them into internment camps. And I think it's like, okay, in World War II, would I have done business with the Third Reich? Would I have bought a product from the Third Reich? When you look back, if, no. you, if you saw a document that was like, I was against the Nazis, but I bought all of my shoes from the Third Reich because they were so cheap. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, like I mean, the Nazis made yeah. great sunglasses. And right. so I just, I just couldn't even help it. Again, not everything's the Holocaust. I'm just making up an example. It right. really is. And I really don't think everything's Holocaust. But even the methods of the Soviet Union, for example, saying like, oh my gosh, I... I just love my Soviet Union phone. It's so great. I just love all of the data chips or whatever the heck they're called in phones from the Soviet Union. Yeah. I just saying that historically sounds stupid. It does, but I think that um also the it's a little different because it isn't it isn't the the China phone. It's Apple's iPhone and but they're they making get, it, right well yeah. they get all their products. So maybe maybe we did buy stuff from the Soviet Union? No, we, I don't know if we did, we might have. <laughs> I'm just wondering if we should have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's what I'm saying or if we should in the future. And I would love to hear some people's thoughts on this. I'm serious. I'm what do we do 
as 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 moral citizens of a free nation with the fact that i mean many of our companies are doing business with a government that's makes its people subjects what do we do with that right and this isn't marginal this isn't just like oh a little bit no 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 like we we're talking about millions a million products oh yeah most that's why i'm I'm talking about like mo it's not just like oh americans only account for just a little bit of business in china no it's so much business right so so and we're constantly sitting here like oh china's so big and powerful what are we gonna do like china is gonna march in you know we didn't have China and Hong Kong, that whole thing happened. And China's going to march into Taiwan and China's trying to become this world global power of communism. And we're like, what are we going to do? And then I'm like, I don't know, but can you go order something on Amazon for me? And then I thought, I can't, that can't be it. We have to do something. Right. We got to do something. And I don't know what it is because I am merely immortal and not immortal. I am merely immortal. <laughs> I am merely immortal. <laughs> but I want to know what please people. I'm Please, listeners, please, people, any people, please, people, please, listeners, I actually want to know what your thoughts are. What are your ideas? Maybe we can organize something together that is maybe a playbook of how people can start to handle this. And we could post it on our social media. Help us. Email us, somethingburgerpodcast at gmail.com. Write us on Facebook, Instagram, tweet at us. I don't care. Comment on the wherever you listen. Send a carrier pigeon. And we can send a carrier pigeon. I don't know. A smoke signal. (laughs) Something. So we could come up with some steps that we could take together because I don't think nothing is the answer. I don't think continuing in the way that we all go is the answer. And I do believe that every person has the opportunity to make a difference. And when we see something that we know is wrong, we have the opportunity to look in ourselves and find how do we correct it in ourselves first. That's what I'm interested in is we are so focused now in our society on pointing at somebody else and saying, if only they would fix it or only if they would stop doing that, then this would be better. And that's obviously not working for us. We need to start saying, if only I did this, is there something I could do today, tomorrow? That's small. That's the only way this is going to change because if we keep pointing at China and wondering why they're acting like a communist nation when they are a communist nation, we're going to be disappointed. Like, oh, if only they weren't communist, If if only the government weren't totally inadequate if only x had feelings if only facebook cared about us these things are futile for the most part and i also think it reminds me of solzhenitsyn the gulag archipelago yes so the solzhenitsyn wrote an amazing thing amazing paper it was called live not by lies and he was talking about how everyone in Russia at the time was gathering together and basically saying, if only things were different, if only we weren't living under oppression, if only we, we didn't, the, our dissidents weren't suppressed. And then he said, he realized, okay, let me tell you a little Solzhenitsyn was a, a dissident in Russia and he was imprisoned in a gulag and because he was against what the Soviet Union was doing and he spoke out about it just enough and he was in the gulag and instead of being mad at everyone he thought what did i do to get to this point what could i have done differently and when he wrote live not by lies which is a separate piece outside of the gulag archipelago um i believe i don't know i'm reading gulag archipelago for the first time right now because i read live not by lies and i was so moved by it but he was saying that every day we lie in little ways we accept lies we participate in lies we do things we know are wrong every single day And then we wonder why the world's not getting better. But every Mm. single day, we do something 
that we know is wrong and we lie about something we allow lies to pass us by somebody will lie in front of us and we just let it happen we allow the we allow systems based on lies to stand in our own lives and then we get together and complain about how the world's going to to blip and that is not going to be successful we have to see what is it that we can do in our lives now because (laughs) pointing the finger at everybody might might make it feel better for just a second but I don't think it helps I don't think it helps so I I can't sit here and I can't make a grand promise that I'm never buying from China again (laughs) and uh, I'm not even sure how possible that is but I'm going to start knowing where my stuff comes from and and what my money is supporting when I buy it and I'm going to start there and I want to know would you audience would you join me would you help me figure this out and if you want to join me like i said please comment facebook twitter instagram something burger podcast at gmail.com anywhere that you can reach me let me know what we can do together and we'll start here and then we can get better from there together thank you everyone for listening and remember treat everyone with kindness and never trade what looks right for what is right everybody thank you so much for listening we're so glad to be with you again this week as you know you can find us on facebook and instagram at something burger podcast and on twitter at s burger podcast please reach out to us at our gmail it's something burger podcast at gmail.com your thoughts your comments whatever just let us know and as always you can find us on anywhere you listen to your podcast and hey leave us a review We'd love your five stars, but just let us know what you think. Drop your comments and your review, and we'll see you next week.